So just letting you know, you have two hours and 20 minutes to get six and a half miles or you'll have a DNF. That's the cutoff. It's up to you if you want to try and make it. It's up to you. Then I was like, oh, shit. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right. Welcome back to the Wayfinder Show. Adam, how are you doing today, man? Doing good, man. How about you? Doing all right. You know, been locked up in the office all day. So uh, it was weird because I came in early in the morning and uh, it was cold out. You know, it's got that nice, crispy, cold air now in the fall. And uh, and I got in and then but the AC is still blasting here all day. And Ooh. so it's really cold. And then as the day goes on, I see people coming in and out in shorts and all this stuff. So I'm like, it's kind of weird because I haven't gotten out. And apparently it's like in the 80s outside. So, dude, you got to get out, man. I do. I do. All right. Yeah. Well, you got about an hour and then you can get out of here. I can't wait, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, I can wait because we are going to talk about, we got our good friends on today to talk about my favorite subject. I don't know how you're going to deal with this, Adam, for the next hour, but you know, my favorite subject. It's all about running. So I'm excited. Yeah. We got Definitely. to do a race recap with our friends, uh, Jeremy and Leslie Cockrell. So, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Wayfinder Show, Cockrells. <laughs> Thank you all for having Thank us. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. So this is a fun one. So for everybody that doesn't know, Leslie is a run coach, and Jeremy runs as well. But Leslie just finished her first 100 miler, which she completed. Wow. Not to spoil anything. But, so we're going to dive into that. So I was thinking, starting off with a bang here, Leslie, why, you know, if you can rewind back to before the race, when you decided you were going to do it, what, why did you do it? Or, or maybe another way to phrase it, what were you hoping to get out of it? Um, I truly just wanted to experience it. I remember seeing uh, my run coach completing his and thinking like, Man, what would that feel like to run 100 miles? And that was pretty much the reason I tried or wanted to try it was to feel it. So that's kind of, I guess, the first why that came. Right on. Right Jeremy, I'm assuming you were right along. Sorry to interrupt you, Louie. But Jeremy, I'm assuming you were right there kind of training with her because you, you paced her as well, correct? Yeah, I don't. And I actually kind of like my overall why for running is I kind of just like to do it uh when someone asks me to go like on something that's cool like that like Leslie's asked me to do a run in Montana before it wasn't 100 miles uh I'm just kind of like I like to be in shape to be able to say yes to help out essentially I don't necessarily want to run 100 miles yet but I wanted to be able to say yes let's go do it and train and uh support I guess so how how long have you guys been running? I mean, I 
ran for the first time in 2012 when I was in college, but up until 2021, I was super inconsistent and I would just run like once a week, every month or so, like maybe. So I've pretty much only been consistently running for about a year and a half, I would oh, say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to a hundred in a year and a half. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's wild. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. I, I probably ran more consistently than Leslie, but not long distances. Like I used to run like three to five miles all the time, you know, three or four days a week. And then I might slack off for a month or two and then do it again, but never for probably 10 years. And then same thing. We didn't really start. We started pushing the distance together, I guess. Mm -hmm. hmm. And so I'm assuming being a hundred miler that this was a trail race, right? Yes, it was. It was. Um, I, I prefer trail races. We don't really have in Charleston. We don't have, a lot of options for that but um yeah that was definitely what i wanted to do for sure was a trail race mm -hmm. nice. so what it was uh, in georgia though in georgia yeah so what's yeah. the name of the race yeah. it was called the georgia jewel in dalton okay. georgia mm -hmm. how'd you pick that one was it just proximity or was there, there anything special about that one? um so it was the day after my birthday so that was kind of special um i was actually looking for one that was going to be nearby ish that like basically a lot of races i've done up until this point have been far away that i had to fly to or you know like these like epic mountain views or whatever and i kind of wanted to show my family what this was about and like introduce it to them and i wanted it to be easy for them to travel to and plus, I wanted it to be easy for me to travel to as well, because I was like ready to just like throw my bag in the car and go um, and not have to deal with all the flying stuff. So that was kind of the the idea behind it. And then Dalton was actually uh, a town that I grew up nearby. Like it's like an hour away from my hometown. So I knew the area and it was kind of like a culmination of different things that led up to this kind of like moment where I felt like, you know, symbolically, I was like coming home and doing something that I really love that I've found. And I was like bringing it home to my family to kind of like show them. So that was kind of like the, I guess, the the mission or the vision behind it, I guess. Her grandparents lived in that town too at one point. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of terrain is it here? Um. It was mountains. It was a lot of rocks, lots of roots. <laughs> um, it was like there were some pine trees. So there were a couple of areas that were like real smooth pine trails, which I love. A um, little bit of pavement at the beginning and the end, but not much. There was multiple gravel roads, which I had to uh, go across. So, yeah, I would say a little bit of everything, um, but mostly like trail, like you know, like hiking trails, basically. Like single track deer trails. Yeah, single track. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. It's basically, it's like where Georgia and Tennessee come together. So it's like North Georgia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even driving on the roads around there, it's like, I mean, that's the, our grandpa had a wreck because people, it's like up and down <laughs> round corners and stuff like that. So essentially you're running through that in the woods, you know, without the same yeah. way the roads cut. Yeah, you know? and I learned too that like, apparently east coast trails have like massive root systems like 
the West Coast doesn't really have roots like we do. So that was something I learned. Was there a lot of elevation there? Total, it was 14,400 something. So it's pretty solid. Um, But it wasn't, it wasn't like, I mean, I I don't think I went up. What do you think the peak was? Like 3,000? Yeah, it's not like, yeah. It wasn't like, not like Colorado by any means. No, but still. No matter how you slice it, it's fifteen thousand feet elevation. Yeah, gain yeah that's that's still real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it was still going to feel it. Yeah, to give you some perspective, it was a forty percent success rate, so sixty percent dropout or don't wow. finish, do not finish. Mm-hmm. You know, one way or another. Which Leadville is sixty percent, so that just shows you that it's like pretty, pretty dropout yeah. friendly. Hmm. Wow. There's a, the Barclay marathons are near there, aren't they? Yes. That's pretty rigorous terrain then. I don't know if you, Adam is not a a, a running nerd like the rest of us, so he might not know. This is like these these crazy, there's actually a Netflix special about this place, right? It's like these, uh, these, they go through Tennessee Mm -hmm. and uh, they do like a marathon length uh, around this like really rigorous terrain. And but they got to do it five times in a certain amount of time, or you get disqualified. And they've only had like fifteen finishers ever, or something like that, right? Like in history, it might be yeah. a little more, a little less. Many years they don't even have a finisher at all. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. So if you're yeah, anywhere near there, then that's legit. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's it's super close, actually. That's like in like Middle East Tennessee area, like in between Nashville and Knoxville. So yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is yeah. that a bucket list for you too? Oh gosh, I heard about it. <laughs> um, I literally was talking to somebody. Well, during the jewel, I was talking to somebody about Barclays, and I was like, "Man, that sounds like such a big like." They don't even know that they get in the race until like the day up. Like they don't even know yeah. when the race is going to be. It's like very short notice. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> that kind of like deters me a little bit because I'm like, man, you'd have no time to prepare or anything. But it's also very unique. So. There is that. Um, I don't know. Never say never, but it is like yeah. it's pretty hefty commitment to do Barclays. <laughs> yeah, I've known a lot of people who've tried to get in. I don't think I actually know anybody's ever done it. Like, but I know one it, year the entry fee was a plaid shirt, like a yeah. red plaid shirt. <laughs> like he wanted everyone to give a plaid shirt for his entry fee. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, even if you're not into running, the the Netflix special for it is really good. It's it's hilarious. The owner of it, he's just a sick, twisted guy, and <laughs> it's just hilarious. They capture his essence really well. I haven't seen the, the Netflix. I need to watch it. It's good. It's not too long either, but it's good. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm assuming Jeremy, you crewed for for Leslie, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, out? he was my crew chief. Yeah. So, how, what did the crew consist of? Uh, as far as how many people, yeah, it was it was kind of like, so pretty much like Leslie's whole family showed up and my parents and brother and dad came too. So uh, everybody was just kind of like on standby with like for the Pacers and like she had already had it set up where like uh, she wanted my mom feeding one of the Pacers and me and then her mom feeding one of the others. Like she divvied up responsibility. Leslie had like a whole sheet of like instructions of what to do that mostly made sense but i confused some of the stuff that i just followed (laughs) like so there were some things like me saying like telling my mom to meet us at this other point in three hours where 
no, we just had to run this three hour loop. And then four hours later, my mom was supposed to be there. <laughs> like I kind of messed up, but you know, it was, I was crewing and pacing. So it was kind of like, it was a lot. Yeah. Him. And it was different points to, you know, every one of these things is different. So it's not like it's a loop where people can just hang out in one place all day. It's like, we got to park mm-hmm. my car and then someone else has got to go pick up the car and move it with our stuff later. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, so but yeah, everybody was involved. I mean, we had, she had three pacers. So one of our friends, Christine came and okay. Alan, who's also in emerge with us, he came. So nice. there was three mm-hmm. of us. I was kind of, like I said, both pacing and crewing, I guess you would say. And I didn't set up, I mean, the weather was iffy raining on and off. And so mm-hmm. the last one we did, our tent got blown into the woods. So I just didn't chance it again. I left the tent in the car and just kind of worked out of the vehicle. So. Nice. And if I were to have it my way, I would, have him only pace me and I would have someone else crew chief because well he's really great at crewing but he's way better at pacing like that's Mm. like his talent so for me I would prefer him to just be pacer and someone else worry about everything else what at what point do you get to start pacing there do you can you start Uh, pacing from the beginning or uh, for this every race is different so like this one it was after mile 50 you were okay. allowed to. And I think if you were over a certain age, like if it, like the seniors got like mile 37, they could crew or, or pace um, or something like that. But yeah, mile 50 is the usually when pacers are allowed. Christine started with her about midnight. She started, Leslie started running at Friday at noon. I think Christine started around midnight with her and then till like 6 a.m. And then I picked up with her at 6 a.m. till like 3.30 p.m. And then Alan took it Brought from in there. The rear. So it was basically from like 50 miles to like 63-ish miles or something for Christine. And for me, 60s to like 80, 81 or something like that. And then mm-hmm. Alan to the end. Okay. So you had somebody after that 50-mile marker, you had somebody pacing you the entire time then? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm glad I did that in retrospect. I was kind of thinking to myself, like, do I need that much? Like, is that necessary or whatever? And I talked to my coach about it and he was like, mm, I think that's a good idea that you have somebody for the rest of the time. Like, yeah. you know, for my first one, which I'm very grateful that I did. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine being by myself out there <laughs> yeah. at night. It's usually some races require, right? Just because of safety reasons, you know, you can, you know, mm-hmm. fall, pass out, all kinds of stuff. Happen. Yeah. So, yeah. It was super helpful. So, so did, helpful. did anything happen? I mean, so tell us, you know, what are the highlights here? Did you, <sighs> did, you know, was it like a, a really funky trip on NASID or was it like, <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> it's not unusual yeah. to hallucinate these things, right? So, yes. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The whole thing. I mean, we can start out with just all of the <laughs> things from the beginning. Like for one, I was so nervous before the race, I was like at the starting line and I reached behind my pack to get a gel and my whole pack was empty. So I had nothing in my pack. I hadn't even packed it yet. And I was like freaking out. And, um, so that was one thing that like little things like that, that just like when you're like, I was nervous before the race. So a lot of things I was just not actively thinking of or remembering that like I had already prepared for, like I put it, I made a bag for it and it says start on there but like i didn't think to put it in my pack so like little things like that and then my grandparents right after i left had a wreck which it was the first wreck he's ever ever had 
my grandfather mm. first wreck he's ever had and he's in his 80s and oh so that, <laughs> which he's fine everybody was everybody was fine but like things like that were were happening and like then our car battery died during the race at one point which, did you know about all this stuff as you were going or was, did you find out later yes i did because what happened um so like it was like service was not guaranteed like on your phone so i just told jeremy like if i get it i'll let you know where i'm at if not because i had no idea what my pace was going to look like i just had no idea what how fast i was going to be um i told the race people not to tell her about her grandpa because it happened right there and a lot of them ran up and saw it and they were trying to figure out how she was affiliated who they were with and i was like no don't tell her i'm i'll i'll handle that (laughs) you know don't don't tell her yeah so i get like i want to say mile 14 or something or 13 and I get a slew of text messages that come in and it says at my mom it messaged the group family group text that said still at the wreckage site and I was oh, like oh <laughs> and so literally oh. right after that I said it said uh waiting at the rental car company so I was like okay so I'm just gonna deduce that everything's okay that everyone's okay yeah but right. like literally that's what I see and I'm like uh, what what do I need to do? And then I got to mile 18 and he was there and he was like, everyone's okay. Uh, just to let you know, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, my mom sent in the group text. Anyway, so she got to that point and I was like, yeah, I might as well tell her about this because she's going to find out and tell her everybody's cool. Uh, what was that? About 18 miles in. And then yeah. but she was looking good. But she told me that right about that time is when she started to feel some pain. So she started to feel like some pain pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mile 18. Mm. What kind of pain? Yeah. Uh, my calves were burning and my feet started hurting. Um, basically what happened, I this is my conclusion of it. And I, I still have yet to talk to my coach about it, but basically, you know, when you're running, your strength, you're pulling and you're pushing from your quads and your glutes. So one of those failed first. So yeah. either glutes failed or quads failed. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the glutes. And so after that, everything just kind of starts going after that. And um, because the thing is, leading up to this race, like I had trained and I had ran the mileage, but I had not trained in that elevation uh, mm. spectrum at all. Um, the most I had done was maybe 1500 feet, you know, like it was very minimal. And I've, I've done that before with races, but this one was definitely an undertake, like 14,000 is an undertaking. Like you have to, so I did a lot of like strength work to prepare for that, but getting out actually on the trail was, was kind of difficult, uh, to do because it was far away and I had to drive far and all that. So, um, so anyways, that was kind of, I started to, to feel that it was right after I left. I felt so strong. I was running with this other dude uh, named John um, when I met Jeremy. And then after I sat down in the chair to get my aid and I left, I was like running up a hill and I could kind of feel it like in my glutes and then in my calves. And I was like, hmm, okay. And then it just kind of continued on. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger till the end, basically. So, Hmm. yeah. Rough. She powered through it. So just because I have no idea, I've never run even close to 100 miles. When when you hit these aid stations, how long of a break are you taking? Are you taking like five minutes or like an hour or what are you doing? 
Uh, depends on what type of aid I need. So we have, I just, we classify it with like major aid, which is like change your shoes, like get a bite to eat, chill, do whatever, change, you know, doctor yourself up. That's like 12 minute max. Um, and I would, that was like pretty. I had these instructions too. Yeah. So like he knew and like he would yell out, like you got such and such time left. You got such and such time left. And then, but if it's a minor aid, three minutes, like don't need to waste time, get in, get out kind of thing. Um, because my race was, it had cutoff time. So there was not any waiting, right? It wasn't like you have all day to, to finish this. Like you have to get by this place at a certain time, this place at a certain time. So it was just kept on coming. And so, you know, all that time that you just sit down and, and you chill, it adds up a lot over time. So that was kind of like, so for that one, I think I maybe stopped for major aid four times, would you say four or five? Yeah. Longer than 12 minutes. And the A station people were good about there. A lot of them are in the community of like running. So they know like, especially I noticed once I, as it got later, like when I was waiting to start Pacer early in the morning and then the whole time we were running, they nudge you to get out of the aid station. Like, oh, yeah, that was like if it's pancakes. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. Like if it's, if they see, like I've, before I even started with Leslie, I saw like one of the aid station people calling this guy out because he was just being real social and talking to everybody as they were coming in. And I heard the lady go, like the girl working for the race was like, Hey, what are you doing over here? Fill up your bottle and let's get moving. What are you doing? And he was like, Oh, you know, I thought we were all friends over here. And she's like, yeah, friends hold each other accountable. Let's get moving, man. Yeah. And like nice. push them to the aid station. Cause you're, you know, you're going, they can see that like over time. And I noticed this with Leslie, like, I mean, this is my first time participating in something like this too. You can see people's brain trying to come up with reasons to slow them down and talk to people and oh, yeah. avoidance going on and let's stand here and eat a snack and ask everybody else how they're doing. And, and I was like, everybody's brain, especially hurt when I ran with her for 15 or 20 miles, wherever it was. Like I saw it with Leslie, like she was, a she was coming up with other things besides moving forward. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, like, are we going the right way? Yeah. You know, I need a goo, you know, just like oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, he had me at probably the, the, like the, well, I don't know. Alan got a pretty good share of, of lo loony then, but like, he got me right as I was like sunrise. I'd just been up all night and I started the, the fatigue actually started to set in around that time. That was like five or 6am. So I was like, kind of, kind of dragging a little bit, but through the night I felt super strong. I was running pretty strong through the night. Yeah, Did like you ever I, have a point where you were close to, I don't know, almost talking yourself into pulling the plug on it? Yes, sir. I did. Yeah. Uh, so we got Jeremy got me at like five or six a.m. sunrise. I am. We just had that second water crossing, so my my feet were hurting really really bad, and um we were we were kind of like putt putting like jogging and walking, but there was a lot of just power hiking. And what would happen was I, I didn't. This was crazy, but like going downhill was like extremely painful. But on the uphills, I was pounding it. I was going up. I was running them up. Like I was like pushing it because I knew that I was slower on the downhills. And so I was trying to make up for time. Every time there was an uphill, I would just send it. And it wasn't, well, I didn't send it. And I, I was not sending it with Jeremy, but, but it didn't hurt. 
so all that uphill did not hurt at all, like no pain whatsoever. But when I was going downhill, something about it was just like pounding my feet and my knee. My knee was stiff and just everything from the waist down was just in pain. Um, so I was, I was really, and that was also the next morning after when the 50 milers, they actually started their race at 7 a.m. that morning. So they were passing us hundreds of them pat like i don't know every five seconds they would pass us and you know they'd say like good job keep going or whatever and you know they smell like they just took a shower and they look so great and <laughs> you're just like you look so haggard and you feel so haggard and you're just like oh my god what the fuck like i can't i look crazy out here like i'm not doing well and you know you just get in your head about all of that and um so that got in my head and then not also that compounding with the paranoia that comes with sleep deprivation. So I was yeah. constantly worried that someone was coming behind me and I was in their way. And so I would like pull over, you know, off the side of the single track trail. Cause there was no room for two people to run. And then I would just be like asking Jeremy, is there somebody behind me? Is there somebody behind me? Cause it was all I could do to just like keep moving forward. And I just, I really didn't want to, mess up anybody else up because I knew that I was like struggling and then the rain came <laughs> and then it was like cold rain 60 degrees and I'm in a bra sports bra and like really thin running shorts and uh so then that comes you know on top of all that so then I'm like kind of getting pissed off and so we're just kind of we just kind of keep going on that and I think I asked you at one point like am I going to make it? Like, is this possible for me? Like, I was just like, totally just like thinking in my head, like, is this actually going to happen? Like everything hmm. around me is telling me this is not going to happen right now. And so that's what, that was kind of that, that moment. And then, then we started coming down the mountain around about that time too. And it was like coming down like big rock steps that were like a foot tall. So it was like, this big rock face we were climbing down with these hand railings and it was kind of wet and slippery. And I couldn't, anytime I tried to put weight on one foot, it was like shaky. And so I was really just unstable, like getting on, putting my weight on one side. So like, I really tried to keep my weight squared up because I just didn't really feel like I was going to be able to hold it up at that point. So we're coming down this mountain and I've already been crying and just like, I mean, totally in my head about everything. Jeremy said at one point, he was like, you only got 11 hours left. And I, I thought about that 11 hours for about two hours. I was just sitting there thinking, oh my God, 11 hours. That feels like such a long time. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. And he asked me at one point, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm just thinking about that 11 hours you said. <laughs> and so then he was really, you were offering some great perspective during that moment. Yeah. But. I didn't exactly say that, but. <laughs> yeah it, leslie was having focusing a lot on the end and like is this possible and am i going to make it yeah. and which is not necessarily what we talked about we talked about aid station to aid station just to make the next yeah. one yeah but at one point i did say i figured out you know look if you keep x amount of pace for 11 and a half hours you'll finish you'll make the cutoff you know and, and then she did say that like i can't i keep thinking about that 11 hours and i said well the good news <laughs> is it's only nine hours now to, you know, <laughs> yeah. two hours ago and you've been keeping that pace for two hours so we're all right yeah. but that's great 
And there was a, I mean, basically as I was coming down that rock thing, I was thinking to myself like, all right, what is it going to look like if I quit? Like, what does that look like? Do they just drive me back to my car? Like, do I come down and do I say like, I'm done? Like, do I have to give a signal? Like, do I, you know, give my bid number? Like, what is that even? I was just like working through that in my head. Like, what would that even look like? And then I was thinking to myself, like, literally everybody around me is going to say, great job. You went so far. You did 68 miles. You're doing amazing. Like that was more than you've ever done. Good job. And I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah, right. Like there's no way I'm going to let myself finish. There's no way I'm going to be able to sleep at night. There's no way I'm going to feel good about myself and I'm going to be, you know, totally unhappy to be around. Nobody's going to be around me because I'm going to be so pissed. And then, um, you know, just kind of thinking about that and then, just all those emotions that came with that with just having to like, you know, grasp at the fact that like, I'm going to have to endure this pain for, you know, six or seven more hours or however long that was at that point. And I remember I got down the mountain and I, I found like this like camping campground, like potty, like a toilet area, like a restroom. And I was like, I'm going to go in here and I'm just going to let it go for like five minutes. And I'm just going to give myself this moment. And I, I went to the bathroom and I sat down on that toilet and just lost it. Like just totally lost it. Like bent over crying, like holding <laughs> the toilet paper, just like crying so hard. And I was like, all right, we're done. And so I walked out and I just went to go get a snack at the aid station. And I was sitting on the curb just to kind of like, you know, chill for a second and kind of wrap my mind around getting back on the trail. And then they said to us, they were like, so just letting you know, you have two hours and 20 minutes to get six and a half miles or you'll have a DNF. That's the cutoff. It's up to you. If you want to try and make it, it's up to you. Then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and so uh, I looked at Jeremy and I think you said something like, are you going to do this or are you wanting to go? Or you said something to me and I was like, yep, let's do it. And so we got nice. up and got moving and it was like all of that went away focus went straight on the goal, you know, whining pity party was over. Let's go. You know, it was just like, all right, business, it's time to get down to business now. Like no more playing around here. So then that was, you know, we just kind of started running again and, um, and the pain pretty much subsided. Like it it wasn't really anything crazy. It was a really runnable section too, which was great. And uh, we got three miles and how long, like an hour or something like that. Yeah, but I think you're underselling it a little bit. Like, it was like, you got a picture, Leslie, right before this point. Like, not moving. Like, yeah. don't think about running. Think about, like, how somebody who's, like, 90 years old moves. You know, that's yeah. how she was moving, coming down the rock when it was raining and the wind was blowing. We were totally exposed on top of the mountain. I mean, I was uncomfortable. I was thinking, like, if I just ran 70 miles, I'd quit. I think I told Adam that. Send him a text. Yeah. Like, if I run 70 miles at that point, I would have just quit because it's too cold. Who cares? You know, whatever. I would have quit, but mm-hmm. probably. But um, I knew that's not what she wanted to do. And, like, you know, I kept it moving forward. But she was barely moving. And I was going ahead and coming back, going ahead, coming back, dancing, doing whatever I could do to try to get her in a good mood, kiss her, whatever she wanted, you know. <laughs> and, uh, it's so helpful. Yeah, just to keep her yeah. moving forward. It's been so funny. This thing when she got to this uh, aid station that she was talking about, where she I didn't know she did that in the bathroom, but when they told us that, it was like 
they kind of put us on the spot. Like she had, and the truth is she really hadn't really ran much all day since I'd been with her at 6 a.m. It had been like hard to move forward, hiking, all right. a lot of questions. Am I going the right way? All this type of stuff over and over. And it was kind of like they put us on the spot and like forced her to ante up, I guess, like make a decision, which I think was helpful when yeah. they did that. Because it was not this whole, am I going to make it anymore? Like before, is this possible? And I'm like, yeah, it's possible. You know, But it was like, make a decision. And then I just said, yeah, we let's get moving if we're going to try to do it. I was like, it's possible. We can do six and a half miles in two hours. Like we can do that. But uh, mm-hmm. as soon as we started kind of like hiking out of there, we ran into this guy. We saw this guy and he had a little like tag on the back of his shirt and i was trying to read it It said something like run mac something and i got up behind him and he was like he saw i was looking at it and he was like yeah read your uh read it and i'll tell you about it if you want to hear it said run for max on it and it had these five little things on it which were gratitudes but i uh i was like what is it and he said well my my late grandson he had a really short life and part of what my daughter and it was my daughter who was his mother and we've done is they created this deal where they're doing Basically, to honor him, they do these five gratitudes every day. And, uh, you know, so we, it's something like we promote and I run for that cause and I tell people about it, whatever. And yeah. then, uh, so Leslie just spit out. Leslie was like, all right, well, here's my five. And like Leslie rattled off five. I needed that. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. It was like the universe and everybody kind of put us on the spot right here. And then that guy did that. And he was like, hey, I really appreciate y'all basically taking time to acknowledge what I'm out here doing. Yeah, and, uh, he goes. I'm gonna get uh, it was nice meeting y'all. Wish y'all's name, all that stuff. And then he was like, I'm gonna try to get moving a little bit. And he started to move, and I just looked at Leslie and was like, All right, let's. Uh, I was like, You want to try to go? And she was like, Yeah. And she put her folded her sticks up, slid them behind her, and we ran three straight miles without stopping or anything. You nice. know, just three miles. You know, so I knew that if after we made that three miles, I kind of already started calculating. I was like, All right. That was a good time. If we can just keep moving, even hiking, we're going to make this cut off. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and that's what yeah. we did. I mean, it started raining again, and but it wasn't too bad, really. But it was, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where you're trying – her watch is kind of not perfectly working, so we don't exactly know how far we are. But All it's right. like, come on, keep moving. But I, I felt good like we're going to make it, but not with a ton of time to spare. Yeah. And so – And that – it was a miracle, too, because we were running, and we heard this voice behind us going like, hey, guys, wrong way. And I look back and it was Rusty, the guy we met with the Max Fives um, on his back. And he was like, you almost missed it. It's right here. We had to come double back mm. and go on the trail. We almost got lost, like almost got lost for a second. So it was just like, that was kind of one of those moments that I took as like, okay, I'm meant to finish this thing. <laughs> like, that's yeah. cool. Like I met the dude 10 minutes later, he tells us we're going the wrong way and we didn't lose any time. And I just was like, that was like a lift for me to like see that or, and watch that kind of happen. So. And then not too far down the way, uh, Alan, which was the next pacer, which we had never actually met him face to face was, uh, he, I saw somebody coming towards us. He had this yellow, like lucky work for like department of transportation or something jacket on, you know, like, so I thought it was like an official from the race or something coming down. And, uh, I didn't like realize how tall he was or anything. I never seen him. And then he was, I was like, I caught his face coming around the corner. I'm like, oh, this is Alan. So we just like rolled up on him and 
Like what's that? Was the, literally that was the first time you ever saw him. Either of you saw him in person? Was that like mile seventy something? Yeah, yeah. And he was just coming uh-huh. to check on and be like, "Let's go," you know, or whatever, you know. I was like, "Hey, I know you." <laughs> and he'd been hanging out with like my family all day. We had connected them, so they had all met each other, but we hadn't. And he he had been there early. And- he just started walking to see if we, he could catch us, you know, like walking back the way we were supposed to be going. And we found him. I was like. <laughs> Hey, not, I know you. All right, see y'all later. Gotta make this cut off. Bomb down that mountain. Like I've never ran so fast in my life. Mm. And I was like, I mean, you should I was like a pro runner out there. Like I was it was so perfect downhill <laughs> running. And, yeah, literally, like I was low, my quads were activated. Like you would have never thought that I was in so much pain five miles ago. Like, I don't know what happened, but it was just like it just goes to show you that it's all in your mind. Like yeah. it literally is just all mental. Like it, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And then he was, but he and I were talking and he was basically asking like, what's working, you know, like, how am I going to be help? You know, asking me some questions kind of basically about how to be a good pacer, where she at and all that stuff. And he said, just be funny. Yeah. And I was telling him like anything you can do to be funny. I was like, you don't have to dance and all that stuff like I do, but like anything to get her spirits up, let her respond to like this funny stuff positive stuff and just even if she doesn't smile just let it go do it again later you know like keep doing that that's what she responds to not pick it up let's go come <laughs> on you gotta eat and drink more she doesn't right. find to that stuff no. out of david goggins type huh no. <laughs> you know um i think you guys can relate to this I, I, there's so much that we get from running right and I, like it, it, just taking your example you know your testimony here like there's so many life lessons in that, right? I feel like I've learned more from the University of Running than Northeastern University or University of Denver, where I've gotten degrees from, right? And it like it, and it's all those those kind of things, right? Like just saying gratitude, right? How much did that change your mindset, right? You went from this darkness where you thought it was all over, right, to mm-hmm. all of a sudden it turning around, just having some laughs, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. It just changes everything, huh? I mean, yeah. and. I, I, those are lessons I've learned from running person yeah. that I couldn't have gotten. And I think that's much more important than some of the things yeah. you learn in college, right? Like, <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And when you're doing these runs, like your the communities, it, your chances of meeting people and those things like that gratitude moment coming up are higher right. because that's who's out there. People totally. who are, I just had a conversation with a lady who told me she started hundred miles when she found out she had brain cancer and she was going to die. Oh and then she God. beat it. And she still runs hundred milers. Yeah. So like that's who you're running into out there. Totally. It's an amazing community, whether it's the the ultra distance or or road runners. I mean, there's still mm-hmm. uh people who, you know, you get you learn a lot from there. Pretty inspiring. Right. Yeah. And one of the other ones is, you know, like you had a guy around you that, you know, you think it's a race and in a race kind of tells you, Hey, you're trying to beat somebody, right? Like you're trying to win something, but really you realize nobody's out there trying to beat each other. They're all trying to beat themselves. Right. Like, like, like wh- mm-hmm. who they were yesterday and supportive. And like that guy could have let you go off another way and guaranteed that he, you know, that he would have beat you in the race, but no, he's like, no, come back this way and help you out. And it's, it's all community. And in, in turn, I'm, I'm hoping you both finished. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we both. Yeah, he finished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so many great lessons that come from that. So, how how did it feel when you finished? Oh gosh. Um I couldn't believe it. 
like I'm, I'm still, still kind of processing it. Like it, it just feels like a dream to be honest. Like it, it, it really does feel like, did that really happen? Like when I was crossing that finish line, it was like, like I, I had this expectation of what the finish line was going to feel like. Like I thought I was going to melt and just be crying and be like so emotional about it. But it was like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it just felt like I was like, I don't know. There's no words. It just felt like I was like floating or like levitating yeah. or something. It just felt otherworldly. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't put words around it, but it was like, yeah. it felt not surprising in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. You already knew you had finished before you got there. Yeah. Like I'd already, yeah. yeah like it's, I feel like once I got over that dark part or whatever, like after that, it was like, you know, all right, I let's got... just let's run hundred miles. Let's run hundred miles. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeremy, when you were, when, when Leslie was in that really dark place, ready to give up and, you know, you did the right thing as her husband and trying to keep her spirits up and all that good stuff. Was, <laughs> but inside, were you? Did you have any doubts? Uh, not really. I mean, I could. Do, I think it was obvious that she was thinking she might not make it. And like when she asked me, "Was it possible?" I told her later. I was like, I said, "Yeah, it's possible." It was one of those things where I just I didn't say like it's possible, but not at this speed. Yeah. Even though I knew I knew we could still speed up and make it. Yeah. I just know it would do no good to just just say it's possible. That's it. And then I had no idea that moment where the gratitudes and all that was going to happen, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I knew we were moving too slow to probably finish at that speed. I mean, but. Well, kudos just, to you for the approach there. I mean, I, I think I would have been cheering for my wife. To, <laughs> I just bow, honey. I, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, it's raining. It's hard. <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, I think, uh, I think that's why, like, maybe she likes me being that pacer because I like, once people tell me like what they want to do, I'm pretty good at like, even if the conversations get tough or having to think about whatever, like I can, that's kind of like my unique ability, I think, is being able to remember what they want and don't mix up what I want or whatever with it or how I'm feeling. Yeah. So. And he knew, he knew that I was going to be miserable if I didn't finish, so. He wouldn't give me an out like that because that's not what I want. Yeah, like I paced through him on a 12-hour run, and I kind of knew about, like I knew she wanted to get at least 40 miles out of it, and, and I, I only ran the last like two and a half hours with her. And so she was in really good spirits. So it was like a month before this, and I knew like this is one where I can go, hey, come on, let's speed up a little bit. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I, kn- I could tell that she was happy and smiling. And that I needed to push her a little bit and that she would be okay with that. And that she'd be more disappointed by not making that final loop or whatever. You know, like if you made this one cutoff, they would let you finish the last loop. So it was a different scenario. But I think like that's what I'm figuring out from pacing her in the past year that like I need to be able to meet her where she's at and then Mm -hmm. kind of remember what her goal is, you know. So back to this, um, I think you said run for Max. Is that like a, a foundation or, or like a, a nonprofit organization? Or is it just like they just like to talk about it? Like, are they actually raising money or not really? I don't know if he's raising money, but we can like, I got, I mean, we're following him on Instagram and stuff and he's connected with us. Uh, oh, cool. I was going to say, let's go ahead and share the link if we can somehow. But, yeah. Yeah. We'll share it with you. I mean, we got, or we'll share his, his deal. It's, uh, yeah, he's got like a, He's got an Instagram and stuff. I don't know if he's really if they're 
how it's going with like raising money or whatever. I know they're promoting the gratitude thing though. And he, yeah. He, uh, you know, he told us like, that's what I'm out here doing. And he had it. I mean, he had it on his thing. He obviously wanted people to do what I did, you know? Yeah. But, right. That's awesome, man. We can all use a little bit of that in our lives. So that's for sure. Yeah. I so, find those people somehow. So what now, Leslie, you just doing, going to do like a hundred miler every couple other month or what? What's the, what's the plan here? <laughs> Take a break for yeah. a while. Yeah, I mean, I thought I didn't know what I was going to feel like afterwards, but now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm like, mm, I'm going to do another one. <laughs> but I don't know when that'll be. I know it'll be sometime next year. Um, I have a few in mind, but I don't want to say out loud yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just just know that next year I'll be doing one. Um, but yeah, I, it's I got to say, like if you're if you're thinking about doing a distance. You know, I've I've done half, I've done the full, I've done a 52 miler, I've done a 50k, which is like 33. I've done a 12 hour, and I've done 100 now. And I will say the 100 is like it's like going from like going to one concert to like a music festival. Like it's it's so long that you you spend so much time doing it so much more comes out of it. Like the experience is, is amplified by a hundred essentially. Like it is, it, it's so cool because you get to, you get to run when the sun sets and you see the sunrise. Like you can, not a lot of people can say that they've done that, you know, like it's, I don't know. It's a really, really cool amount <laughs> to run. Um, and it's a very trippy experience too. I, I pray <laughs> that was, yeah, that was crazy. I think I've, I don't know if I've shared this on the show or not, but I uh, one of my bucket list items is to run Leadville 100 before I turn 50, which I'm running out of time, a little <laughs> over two years. So, uh, but I also want to go and um, I also you know have a marathon goal I want to complete before that I switch over to trails. But yeah, yeah. you at Tokyo, yeah. right? I do. Yeah, next year. I also wanted more. The other one is also just trying to run like a sub three marathon before I switch over to trails because I think it'll slow me down once I do. <laughs> but other pe some people, I hear it both ways. So I don't know. But some people say that it'll make me faster. Some would say, no. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. We'll everybody's got their own little opinion about that, huh? Well, maybe I'll see you at one of these. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So we're at that point where. I could ask you a million more questions about this stuff because I don't, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll just be a couple of us who will listen to this episode otherwise. So let's go into our Wayfinder 4 here. Okay. Um, how should we do this? We, we're going to get one from each of you? Yeah. 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 All right. So let's get a hack. What is it? A hack that you all use. So we got a you go first. One. Yeah. Uh, my hack is, I kind of preach this a lot to people, but just, I think agency, like having, instead of trying to figure out things, I see people try to figure out a lot of things for themselves. And I find that life is a lot better. You get better results, you end up saving more money. If you defer to people who are like expert in their field, you know, like instead of wasting time trying to figure something out, I literally just call an attorney or a contractor or whatever it is, you know, and I don't spend any, I don't spend a lot of time on the internet trying to learn if you're, if you enjoy something, yeah, it's worth you trying to figure it out or build it yourself or whatever. But 
you know, people thinking that they're going to save money and stuff, I think, waste a lot of time and money doing things that way. I love that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Leslie? I'll say mine is patience. That's one hack that I've learned this year. Um, it's, it really can get you really far, and it doesn't really take much. You just wait. You just sit. You know, if you just if you're patient, things will come to you. So that's that's my hint. All right, guys. Now, how about a favorite? This could be a band, a movie, a book, or something you guys like. Now you switched it up on band. That wasn't in the question before, <laughs> in the prerequisite or whatever you said. It could oh, be anything. That's I favorite. always say that. I don't know. Yeah, whatever you uh, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like. I listen to a lot of live music always. So I'll listen like with running and stuff since we're on that topic. I, I prefer things that are live, no matter how poor the quality is or any of that stuff. I'll prefer that over anything else. So uh, jam bands I like, but also I'll listen to it. I mean, I'll listen to old country music festivals from the seventies if I can find, you know, like whatever I can find. So huh. Favorite jam band? The Dead. Duh. Nice. How about you, Leslie? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do it. My favorite is Beyonce. She has just... Nice. I just listen to her a lot, and I watch her a lot, and she is really excellent at what she does. And the music isn't really made for people like me, but I also just really appreciate the talent and the skill. So I'm going to say it. Beyonce. What is something that you would tell yourself that you, you know, like that, you know, now that you would have told your younger self? Yeah, I was thinking about this one earlier. Just I think I understood a lot of concepts earlier that I, I've gotten, I guess, like stronger. at. I just didn't have the depth of it. You know, like I was I understood it didn't matter like what people think. I still held back a little bit, even though I think I tried to do that. Uh, uh, it's like more intensity behind the things that I've known, even since I was young, you know, I guess. I think I would say, like, I don't know how, to, how else to say this, because I don't know if, if I would have told my 25-year-old self, hey, don't care about what people think. I don't know if I would have listened. <laughs> so I don't know if I need, would tell them that, but I think I would tell my 25 year old self to like find out what you like, like genuinely like, just find that, like find out what you love, figure that out. What do you enjoy? And just find that out. Cause that's an easier way of saying, do what you do, what you want to do. <laughs> All right. Now, what is one thing that prevents people from being happy? Jeremy, you go first. Uh, perspective or lack of, I guess. Is my answer to that one. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think people just, they're paying attention to, they're looking at something one way. And if you just step back a little bit and as far as you want to step back, you know, in time or space or whatever, people make like whatever's going on currently really significant. And, you know, there's so many things that I think like basically everything that we're doing and talking about are just things we made up you know like and that stuff's like controlling you sometimes it's like humans just made this up we could just also 
have made something entirely different up besides this situation or whatever. So, and yeah, I just think that's the biggest thing that's keeping people. They don't, they're not thinking like, Oh, I tend to go like real extreme. Like, unless they can tell you, I'll just be like someone starving right now in Africa, their stomach's hurting. That's hard. Doing paperwork's not hard. You know, stuff like that. That's not hard. Having to wait on an Uber is not hard. That's, mm. that's not hard. That's I don't thing. know, man. That sucks sometimes. <laughs> that's what you think. And I'm like, no, this isn't hard. It's preventing your perspective, preventing you from being happy. Is what's going on. <laughs> that's a great answer. I feel like mine is going to be overshadowed. Uh, I would say the the biggest thing that prevents people from being happy is knowing what makes them happy and understanding what truly makes them happy and, and actually saying it and doing it. I think that's one of the big things that prevents people from being happy is they don't even know what makes them happy. How do you figure that out? Try a lot of things. That's the way I yeah. found it out. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, so if people want to get a hold of you guys. Sorry, Lou. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Exactly what you're already saying. Oh, so all right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So if, if everybody wants to get a hold of you or follow along or they want a run coach who's ran 100 miles before, uh, where do you want to direct them? Uh, you can come to my Instagram. It's uh, run with feeling. Um, no symbols or anything. Just run with feeling is for me. And then. Yeah, just come to Leslie. I mean, or find me on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, I, I do pay attention to Facebook more than anything else. So just my name, Jeremy Cockle. Cool. Yeah. So, Run With Feeling, you guys are having a, 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 a retreat soon too, aren't you? Yes. Well, so the one in November uh, got postponed, but okay. there is one coming up in May that um, I'm going to be doing. It's in the Grand Canyon. So. Oh, wow. That actually stay tuned for that one. Um, but yeah, that one's coming up mid-May. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a run retreat, 12-week training, I think, run through the mountains. That's so it'll be like a virtual training program that anybody can do, and then it'll culminate at the end with some kind of yeah. uh, run yep. in, in the Grand Canyon. Cool. Yeah, it'll be multiple coaches. Um, and I think they're only going to, we're only going to bring about, 10 people or so and it's going to be just one rim to the other room i think it we're going to do north to south so we're going to do north rim to south rim and bit picked up and all that but um yeah very cool oh yeah yeah wow well thank you both for being out here <laughs> thank yeah. you for having us yeah it's great usually uh you know my favorite I, I run with a lot of people and this is race season right so like everybody's coming back there's somebody coming back from a race every weekend now. Like, so it's, it's, you know, you have that, that time when you have to take time off and you miss that person. But then, you know, now there's so many races, somebody's coming back and you can hear the recap. So this is like, like a regular morning run for me right now to hear this, um, That's right. which, is, which makes it really fun and a little euphoric. So congratulations. Uh, that's Thank a huge so accomplishment. It's tremendous yes. to both of you, really. I mean, it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I know, uh, I'm sure I'm not speaking for you, Leslie, to say that you couldn't have done it without Jeremy. So it's really a, a team effort there. And so it's true. congratulations it to both of you. 
big team. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for being here. Appreciate it, guys. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.